Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we get ready to kick off this episode of Growing Greater, I invite you to join me and our team for a very special event. It's our annual Welcome to Greater Philadelphia gathering. This is one of Select Greater Philadelphia's signature events where we welcome new and recently relocated organizations and their leaders to our community. You'll enjoy great food and refreshments while connecting with our region's top academic, business, and civic leaders at a really exclusive location. This novel gathering provides us all the chance to say welcome to the neighborhood, to our new neighbors, and to thank them for selecting Greater Philadelphia as their new home. This special gathering, it's made possible thanks to the teams at Comcast, TD Bank, Berkshire Hathaway Fox Roach Home Services, and the H&K Group. We are all set. It's Thursday, November 19th at 5.30, and it will be an evening filled with meaningful conversations and new friendships. Be sure to join us for our annual Welcome to Greater Philadelphia event. You have to register chamberphl.com slash welcome19. That's chamberphl.com slash welcome19. Hey, before we begin our program, please know that this episode, it's about post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD, and it does include sounds and discussions that could be traumatic triggers for some of us. Thanks. Now let's get to the show. This is Growing Greater, Growing Greater. bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Experiencing trauma. It's actually not as rare as some may think. According to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, about six out of every 10 men and five out of every 10 women experience at least one trauma in their lives. In the U.S. alone, this means about 8 million adults live with PTSD. Originally understood as the after effects of war, research has actually shown that PTSD is a mental health condition that can affect anyone, not only active military personnel and veterans. PTSD can be caused by exposure to a wide range of traumatic events or frightening experiences such as war. In addition, it could be a violent encounter, a sexual assault, natural disasters, accidents, or the threat of death to oneself or a loved one. Now this disorder, it's essentially a long-lasting consequence of an incredibly traumatic event or series of events that overwhelm a person's ability to cope. And this week on Growing Greater, we learn more about potential treatment options for PTSD from Thomas Kim. He's president and CEO of Epivario, an early stage biopharma discovery and development company focused on new treatments for a wide range of memory-related psychiatric disorders like PTSD, but also for Alzheimer's and alcohol and drug addiction. Founded by epigeneticists at the University of Pennsylvania, Epivario's goal is to develop novel treatments for many unmet needs in the psychiatric space. Here, Thomas describes the work that his company's focused on. Memory is a very complicated thing, and it's a very sensitive issue to most people. It's really hard to describe in the right way to really not touch that sensitive side Mm -hmm. of people. But what our technology is really doing, and without really getting into the weeds, it's temporarily 
blocking this reconsolidation. So what that means is when you have a nightmare, like you went through a traumatic event and you have these recurring nightmares, every time you have a nightmare, you build that memory. But it's not the memory of the event. It's the experience you go through. So that's how things get worse for PTSD patients. It's not that initial memory and you become clinically PTSD. It's through that evolution going through recurring cycles of recalling the traumatic event and living through it. And what we would love to do is, and this is the message to get out, is we're blocking that process of reconsolidation, but it's very temporal. Mm. It's only during these periods where you go see your therapist and what typically will happen is they will recall the event, they'll trigger that, that recollection, and then they'll, if you want to say, talk you down, make mm-hmm. you feel comfortable, so you don't have the panic, you don't have the, the stress associated with it. What we would do is block that memory of that experience from forming. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you reduce the physical response you have to the traumatic event. Now it's easier to recall the memory. It's easier to go through your psychotherapy session. So that's really, it's kind of long-winded, but that's what we're trying to do. So it's not so much, let's suggest that an individual experiences a traumatic event. It could be a wartime event. It could be an automobile accident. It could be a horrendous, violent encounter. It's not the actual event itself. It's the ongoing, repetitive, and recurring memory of the event and the way it manifests itself in the body and in the mind. And if we can control that recurrence or that reconsolidation, to use that term, then you don't have the physical and emotional and spiritual manifestations that are impacting the health of the individual. Yeah. So if you want to think about, it's not the memory itself, it's the stress, anxiety associated with it. That's what's debilitating. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a veteran who comes back and is traumatized and has PTSD, the reason he can't have normal relationships, withdraws from, from society and can't hold a job, all those things become suicidal. It's because he can't control the physiological response he has mm-hmm. when that memory gets triggered. So now you can't control f- yourself physically anymore. And that, that's what's debilitating about that disease. So I want to dive in a little bit to that, but I also want to learn more about Thomas Kim and your history, because it's a pretty intriguing career path that you have been able to navigate that has brought you to the greater Philadelphia region. And I shouldn't say brought you, you chose to come here, it sounds like. Yeah, that's correct. But I want to, again, just think through and and would love to hear the history of EpiVario, Mm -hmm. because I know some of the materials describe it as it's a new mode of action for memory formation, which is probably a little bit more of a, you know, technical terminology that would be utilized in research and development type of environment. And to get even more precise, it's also described as the reconsolidation that underlies the pathogenesis of psychiatric diseases. Did I mm-hmm. capture that well? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, for things like post-traumatic stress disorder, substance use, Alzheimer's disease, yeah. dementia, you know, possibly some other things that, sure. that really impact a person's ability to form memories. And I was hoping you could take me back. I know you've been with the organization as the CEO leading Epivario for a little over a year now. That's correct. And the company was officially formed in 2017. But it really all started as a team of researchers at a lab in Penn, and I was hoping you could share a little bit more with us about some of that history. Yeah, so they developed a lot of groundbreaking 
understanding of this pathway in the brain that forms these intrusive negative memories. Mm -hmm. And they published a paper in Nature back May of 2017. And on the heels of that, they worked with the commercialization team, the tech transfer team at Penn, Mm -hmm. and they formed this company. They incubated, and I think Penn might have some entrepreneurs and residents, but they have a really good network in greater Philadelphia. I'm sure you're Mm going to touch on some of that. Sure. But through those relationships, you get these introductions. And I met the co-founders back in late 17 when I was looking for opportunities to work with, again, a, a startup, a young developing company like my former company when I first joined. Right. And so we did that, developed great rapport, was very intrigued by the technology and really had a clear picture on translating technology and knowledge into a product development strategy. So that's really where things started to coalesce and gain some traction. And we started working together and formally joined in March of 2018. That's great. So there must be something there because for an organization like the University of Pennsylvania, and the whole kind of tech transfer operation that's at Penn, to see these ingredients in the R&D platform that was taking shape with the team, there has to really be some compelling outcomes for the Penn team to say, you know what, we want to we want to invest in this and we want to take it to the next level. Let's formalize this. Let's yeah. name the company. And, and in fact, Penn has become a little bit more involved as, if I understand it correctly, an investor who's helping to navigate some of the next steps. Is that a fair assessment as well? Well, I would say formally the organization is Penn Center of Innovation, but they do incubate companies. They do help launch these startups. And while they're not investing in Epivario, outside of the goodwill that came and formed the company, but one of the directors at Penn Center of Innovation sits on our board. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Tom, without getting too into the weeds, I know you have, I think it's a phase one clinical trial that's being planned for launch in 2020. Yeah, in the fall of 2020. That's correct. Yeah. And you know, for those of us who are not as intimate with how these processes work, yeah. how long does a phase one clinical trial, how long does it typically last? I think rule of thumb is it's about a year, yeah. a couple million dollars and, and about a year. Yeah. And speaking of a couple million dollars, your team has secured some funding from different investors and that's a promising sure. sign as well. Yeah. We're grateful. We had a successful seed round of investments. You could call it a friends and family round. Mm-hmm. And we were able to raise about half a million dollars in December of last year. That's great. So the foundation not only is set, it's starting to stack up a little bit and some good milestones are coming as well. It definitely helps to get projects going and have a little bit of resources like that. Yeah, not only the kind of R&D chops, but the funding as well, because that means people believe in what the data is showing and believe so much in it, in fact, that they're going to invest some dollars to help bring it to life. Yeah, I think from the early stages when we started talking about strategy for the company, the one thing we were all very compelled by is the story. I think it was easy to not sell but pitch, Mm -hmm. and I think it resonated for a lot of people. Yeah, that makes sense. So I won't hold you to this because I know things evolve (laughs) over time, but is the initial thinking that the first indication that will be submitted to regulators, whether it's here in the U.S. or elsewhere potentially, will be for supporting specifically post-traumatic stress disorder, or is it too soon to say that level of specificity? No, that's correct, because the animal models that we're working with correlate with post-traumatic stress disorder. So that's what we're working with. Yeah. And to date, I mean, we've been really happy with some spatial memory animal model and the interruption or reduction in memory formation during that training. 
and then also in a fear conditioning model, which correlates really well with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And we've shown a decreased fear response in the rats. Gotcha. So, you know, one of the things that we love about what's happening in your shop at Epivario and across not only the University of Pennsylvania, but University City and New City Square and even at the Navy Yard and activities happening in Center City, Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia, whether it's King of Prussia, Malvern, Exton, Collegeville, Horsham, Northern Delaware has a a huge pocket of life science activities. Of course, Southern New Jersey and into Central and Northern New Jersey is also an epicenter for the life sciences. It's all part of our greater Philadelphia community. And there's so much excitement happening here when it comes to not just the science, but the ability to commercialize and really take a concept from idea to implementation. And you're in a unique position to do some of that. And and where I'm going with this, Tom, is I'd love to hear how did you stumble upon this opportunity at Epivario? You must have been doing some research and your paths intersected. Yeah. When I left my former company, Novio Pharmaceuticals, I was looking to build a company and I had relationships at other cities, incubators, premier research institutions, and I did go. I did visit a number of areas, but the one thing I always came back to was the rich technology that was available, not just at Penn, but I was definitely familiar with Penn because sure. my former company was a Penn spinout as well. Yeah. So I knew the tech transfer group. So I, I knew a lot of the folks there, so it made the dialogue very easy and I, I trusted a lot of their own filtering systems to get technology translated out. So it was a lot of meetings like that. And when I thought about the whole panoply of things that you need to do to form a company, not just the technology and the scientific founders like that, mm-hmm. but also I'm a lawyer by training. I'm also a biochemist. So I did a lot of IP and transactional work, but to have experience somebody who's on the medical development, clinical development side, preclinical animal studies, they were readily available here, I would say, you know, one degree of separation. Whereas I think if I went to one of the other places I was looking at was in Houston, Mm -hmm. Baylor College of Medicine, I'd done some transactions with them, looked at the incubator in Houston, but I didn't have that direct array of resources in terms of professionals. Mm -hmm. So I think that made it a no brainer when I came to that point. So we'll be back with Thomas in just a moment. But first, I want to thank one of the teams who make this podcast possible. It's the team at the Discovery Labs. Located in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the Discovery Labs is the first fully integrated environment for big pharma, emerging biotech, and high-tech companies to all cohabitate under one roof. Perfectly situated in suburban Philadelphia, the Discovery Labs is in close proximity to Philadelphia's world-class research institutions, to our healthcare systems, and to educational leaders, as well as to the regulatory and legislative community in Washington, D.C., and the investment community in New York. The Discovery Labs, it offers the complete package. Access to wet labs, to great talent, to research partners, to leading biotech and pharmaceutical companies, and to venture capitalists and startups, and so much more. And it's all located in an exceptionally affordable environment that provides an unmatched cost of living and quality of life. You can learn more at thediscoverylabs.com. That's thediscoverylabs.com. And please join me in thanking the team at The Discovery Labs for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. 
So, Thomas. I'd love to dive in a little bit, and again, I know that there's some some nuances here, but where do you expect EpiVario to be in the next three years, in the next five years? Yeah, if we fast forward three years, we would expect to be in a phase two uh, clinical trial to Mm -hmm. show efficacy in a PTSD population Mm -hmm. of patients. Five years, I would love to have proof of concept in that phase two study and be working on a phase three study, either selling the asset or partnering with a large pharma, large biotech company. Yeah, for commercialization. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I'm getting into the weeds with this question, but is the treatment a traditional, I know it's small molecule, is it it intended potentially to be a capsule or a pill or is it a liquid form for injection or... The current strategy is taking what we've done in the animal model studies and translating into some injectable Mm -hmm. and then working with the current standard of care for PTSD, which is psychotherapy. So you would work with the psychotherapist and what the drug would do is prevent the reconsolidation, Mm -hmm. which is the buildup of a lot of the stress and anxiety you get associated with the original traumatic event, Mm -hmm. the memory of the traumatic event. And we believe by suppressing that reconsolidation, that buildup Mm -hmm. of that anxiety, then you can follow through with the regimen that you undergo when you do psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Because right now, if you look at the data with current psychotherapy, many of the patients drop out. So rule of thumb on the order of half will drop out and never complete the regimen. Right. And then the remaining half that do complete it, maybe 25, 30% get some kind of clinical benefit. So it's a useful tool, but I believe a lot of the psychotherapists, clinical psychologists you talk to, they will tell you that they're a little hand-tied in Mm -hmm. terms of what they can do to provide real solutions to their patients. And having a treatment that complements the psychotherapy component really sounds like it's a, a needed type of tool. Yes. So I know we touched on this a little bit, but what excites you the most when you look at this? And I I guess you could even take us back to that 18 months or so ago, you know, during the interview process that you may have been having with the team at Epivario. What excites you the most when you look at this opportunity? I think overall mental health disease, there's been a greater light shined on that type Mm -hmm. of disorder. I mean, people understand it's not something in the dark that you hide. It's out in the forefront. These are real people with real problems and they affect not just themselves or family, but greater society. And I think we're getting to a point where people understand, even if we don't have some biological marker or understand fully the development of the disease and why some people get PTSD and some people don't, Mm -hmm. I think what we do understand is outcomes and real clinical benefits. And if we can help somebody manage their lives better, be able to, you know, be a productive member of society Mm -hmm. where they had no solutions before. I mean, I think that's where the excitement is. Yeah, I'd agree with you. You know, when I look at the life sciences in general and Mm -hmm. the biopharmaceutical industry, the impact that it has on a person's life and not only on the person who's directly impacted by the health condition, but their surrounding community, their family, their co-workers, their neighbors, it has such a positive ripple effect to enhancing that individual's life and their 
potential contribution and success that that it's really satisfying to know that a treatment, a medication, a therapy of some sort can really be life-changing. No, no, I think that's correct. I think it's both ripple effect on the positive side, and then we've also seen ripple effects on the negative side when left untreated. That's right. If you want to talk about any of the perpetrators you want to call it in in some of these mass shootings, Mm -hmm. a lot coincide with mental health disease. Mm -hmm. And then we need to come up with some solutions. Yeah, that's right. So, Tom, I want to ask you one of my favorite questions, and it's not just in the life sciences, but it's in general. You can put any industry around this. You can change one thing. It can be in the regulatory environment. It can be in the financial model. It can be in the brand and image of the industry. It can be in the you know process of the clinical development to get to proof of concept and then get to you know safety and efficacy and things like that. You know that one thing that keeps you up at night that says you know man if we could just change this one thing if we could get this right it would be such a game changer. Is there something like that for you that causes you to say I want to change this and I want to change it to really expedite or have a greater impact or whatever the outcome happens to be? I would say this because I'm living it right now. I would think just having a greater conduit, a smoother conduit, an accessible conduit of funds to help entrepreneurs like myself and founders of new companies that translate really exciting technology to at least get from zero to to 10 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about a handout to get you to point where you're ready to sell to a big pharma, but just to do that early translation and, you know, identify the lead compound or develop a animal model to show proof of concept, Mm -hmm. something like that, just to really kickstart the company. And I think if you do that for a hundred companies, you'll get 10 to 20 that really pan out and will more than make up for the investment there. So something like that, I think overarching for biopharma, life sciences industry. I think it's a better message. I think we get caught up in taking the anomalies, mm-hmm. uh, the really expensive medicine. If you want to talk about this, the latest drug that was approved for, for um, Novartis that right. cost a million dollars. Right. But that's not the norm. Right. And then what you do is you use that as sort of to bootstrap the entire industry mm-hmm. and say, we're just here to gouge Mm-hmm. And, and take advantage of patients. But I, I think if you pull leaders and also advocates for patient populations, I think the overarching message you're, you're going to hear is everybody's working hard, taking a lot of risks, both personally and then definitely the company, to advance a drug for, for an unmet need. If we can get that kind of message out to the greater population, I think that would be a big coup, I think, for the industry. As Thomas and his team continue their groundbreaking research, we'll be cheering them on to success. And the story of Epivario, it's just one of the many stories of medical breakthroughs featured on Growing Greater. Check out other episodes at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.